Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Welcome to The Word podcast, recorded at 9am on Wednesday the 29th of October, and thus before the suspension of Russell Brand and Jonathan Ross, and any subsequent developments in this gripping story. Now listen on. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. The price of me, you could get a thousand BBC news journalists at a time. So can you imagine? Well, more of this or not. Yeah, more of this or not. Some, some kind of unknown goal, I think. Yes, this, not, this not is all ahead of us. How exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next voice you'll hear is, is that of Andrew Collins. Identify yourself again. Hello, I am Andrew Collins. And, of course, Matt, uh, Matt Hall, the producer. I am Matt Hall. And I am Mark Ellen, and welcome to the uh, Word podcast. Uh, on this gorgeous morning, sun uh, streaming into the window and snow. And snow. Glistening. What's it's happening? A, it's a winter world. wonderland. It's a winter wonderland. <laughs> Literally, is. we're walking yeah. in a winter wonderland. That's what we're actually doing. <laughs> Doing but look, one thing I've learned this week, Andrew, have you got any thoughts as to anything you might have learned? Is there, is there some wisdom? I've learned two things. Two things. Uh, one is quite profound, and it is that I will die before I've seen the 1,000 artworks that The Guardian thinks I should see before I die. And I've found this out in part I missed one. This. I've been abroad. What have they, what have they only gone and done? It's part away, currently being given away free by The Guardian. Not for a 1,000 consecutive days. Uh, no, there's, uh, there's a, number, a couple of hundred in each one. And um, you build up into a collection that you will treasure forever of artworks that you probably will never see. And it is usually when a newspaper gives away something that you have to collect. Well, partly they're trying to get you to buy the paper. It'll be a sampling exercise, won't it? We understand this in the world of publishing. Yeah. Sampling new readers. Um, but usually there's some kind of tie-in. So on the back there'll be an advert on each one yeah. for the Tate Gallery or something. There seem to be no adverts on these. These seem to be purely you know, produced by The Guardian at the cost of some bits of paper and put together by The Guardian just purely to advertise The Guardian's love of art. But it is a list, effectively, of a thousand pieces of art. So if you go to you know, the National Gallery now, do yeah. you see um, harassed people yeah. running, <laughs> panicked, 
running from room to room, ticking things off. Medigliani, Lady on the Rocks, with his wife. Where do you see that? Shall we see it? More lists of things. Van Gogh. You know, and, and where's that cartoon? I didn't laugh at it. It's a Pete and Doug. I couldn't see. What's funny about that? But it's an almost pointless thing. One thousand pieces of art that are obviously good, sculptures paintings, unmade beds, that you have to say, well, why? And yeah, how can you? In this age of trying to conserve energy and not fly everywhere, it's going to take you, you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life and you're going to spend a lot of money and expend a lot of carbon doing this thing. It's and, and also, it's a list. There are some pictures in it, but it's mainly just a list. It's and at a the back, list. it tells you where to go. I much prefer when they do those little things, which are sharks and things, and uh, Shark, coral. All charts. All charts. All charts. I love that. Yeah. British bird. The seven-year-old boy within you goes, yeah. sharks. Fantastic. There was a great controversy with either them or the independents. Somebody did one of uh, British birds, and 75% of them weren't British or something. That was The Remember? Guardian. Was but the, that's the Guardian <laughs> bought in the posters from, yeah. from a Danish company. I've never seen any of these. They're a Danish company that make these all charts originally, and they were bought in so there's a lot of Scandinavian kidding? birds there were Scandinavian birds yeah not so many British nobody ones. they didn't think it through yeah, but it was an early God. days now they make their own but anyway yeah, yeah so, so I'm, I'm you know I'm facing my mortality now thanks to the Guardian and what's Cheers. the other thing yeah. what's the other thing you learnt the other thing I learnt was in uh, I'm reading the second volume of Nicholas Mosley's uh, biography of his father Sir Oswald Mosley the leader of the British Union yes. fascists uh, which is absolutely gripping I recommend it it's two volumes absolutely fantastic even though written by his son it's fairly dispassionate and uh, you learn an awful lot and there's a lot, a lot of talk about the Daily Mail this week we'll come on to this uh, and, it's, and it's Nazi Nazi past well when the British Union of Fascists was formed which is about 1933 certainly before the war um, Lord Rothermere of the Daily Mail yeah supported the, the uh, British Union. His wife fascists. is called Bubbles. Am I right? <laughs> Isn't that great? Bubbles to a wife called yeah, Bubbles. That's nice. <laughs> that's very aristocratic. <laughs> it's basically, it is. what this is, if nothing else, is a, is a picture of the aristocracy. The aristocracy. As, and in its last days before the Second World War, when, yeah. when it wipes them all out with death duties. So Oswald Mosley is an aristocratic bloke. He starts the British Union of Fascists. Lord Rothermere jumps on board. But this is kind of in legend that it's, you know, appeasement and all that. But what I found out in the book is that what happened was the support came in this form. Lord Rothermere wrote a personal editorial. So this is like Rupert Murdoch writing an editorial in the sun. Yeah. Right? By Lord Rothermere supporting them. But the headline It's my newspaper. I the headline do was to. simply this. <laughs> Hurrah for the black shirts. With an exclamation mark. That was the headline of no. the editorial by the proprietor of the newspaper in 1934. That was, the, that was them supporting the black shirts. That's Pretty fantastic. hard to get that wrong, isn't it? You know, it is. I think I know what he's saying here without even reading it. I think I get it. <laughs> yeah. If only newspapers are like that now. So it's all I was say, thinking. Say what you mean, Lord yeah, Rothermere. Yeah, don't don't pussyfoot around the issue. Don't I want that. Push, I want that from my newspaper. Get out there and say it's it. It's all subtle now, isn't it? All the you know. The, the, but I want it. I want that. I want clarity. <laughs> I want the proprietor saying hurrah for whoever it is they're supporting this hurrah, week in my newspapers. Yeah. So anyway, I, 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 I learned that the Daily Mail. Excellent. was once a very clear-headed newspaper. But we may become a day later, I think. <laughs> we may. Matt, have you learned anything? I did. I learned something today. Um, I learned that um, arrabbiata, which is a um, type of um, Italian pasta sauce, I was kind of confused as to what it was because I saw it, and, and I saw a, a sandwich named an arrabbiata chicken sandwich the other day, and I thought, that's a bit strange. So I looked it up, uh, courtesy of the wonderful Wikipedia, and found out that arrabbiata means um, angry style Oh, so it's just an angry style chicken sandwich, which I quite <laughs> like. Um, but, I also, but I also found rather fantastic. It's a sandwich that, that bites back. Yes. <laughs> but I also found rather fantastically that in a survey in 2006, uh, admittedly for um, World Sexual Health Day, but 
two-thirds of British people thought that Arabiata was a type of sexually transmitted disease. I put, angry I put it back on the shelf at Costa and I walked out. <laughs> angry <laughs> style. conversations about kind of gastronomy uh, generally are very popular in the word office because our digital editor, the great Fraser Lurie, yeah. um, is, is a bit of a chef. Well, not a bit of a chef, a lot of a chef. As long as it yeah, you ask him what he did last night, he goes, oh, nothing much, you know. And then suddenly he reveals from a, from a gigantic bag uh, what he revealed yesterday, in fact, was a homemade jelly, which was hibiscus, champagne, and raspberry. Wow. With with, with a vanilla cream served wow. out terribly. I thought, God, you know, occasionally you get work experience people and freelancers or, or just people drop in. I'm almost incredibly embarrassed, you know. I often get them to sign a legal contract so that they won't talk about what it's like in the word office, you know. Because you come and you expect to see people upending bottles of Jack Daniels, you know what I mean? Supposedly. Enormous piles of bugle. And they're reclining, like on, they're reclining on a velvet. And, of you, like the others. and there's somebody having a, enjoying a fine piece of, uh, you know, of hibiscus. So <laughs> he brings it in in a little tower. He brought it in yesterday. Absolutely. Fraser doesn't nice. actually have a desk, does he? He reclines on a velvet chaise long. He does, yeah. With, uh, several people sort of fanning him with palm frog. Handmaidens. The occasional. <laughs> while having the occasional lark's tongue in aspic. He does, that's right. Almost Manhattan at 11 o'clock. Can I? Then he has a It's not a bad life, actually. You know? What did you learn this well, week, I, Mark? Well, I'm, learned, I'm, just, actually, I'm just finishing the uh, brick like um, uh, book by Philip Norman. Uh, about John Lennon, which we put on the cover of the magazine, actually, about two months ago, oh. which I hadn't read any of it then, because it wasn't available, but I took a chance on it, believing it to be sensational. It is absolutely fantastic. And uh, I, I suppose I've learned many things. One is that Lennon was the most monstrous shagger. I don't know, like, there's no way around this. It's absolutely unbelievable. A swordsman. I, I, I suppose you could say a swordsman. <laughs> but, I mean, I kind of always knew he was, but just the sheer energy... And uh, you know, that he put into it. I can't believe he wrote any songs. Do you know what I mean? Think how many more songs he could have written. He could have, the, the Beatles could have had done three or four m- more double albums. I mean, at some point where he marries Cynthia Lennon, he's still got this other girl installed around the corner. And she goes, But you, you know, you're getting married. I said, Don't worry about that, sweetheart. You know? That's not going to change anything. You know? And when he goes down to London, he's, 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 Alma Cogan is the ne- in the next door flat. That's all going on. Plus, he's, he's, the guy he's staying with, the photographer, uh, his wife, the girl eventually becomes the subject of Norwegian wood. Plus he's got Cynthia. Plus he's got every number of girls coming up to him every night. And it's so funny. And, and then there's a bit where he meets like Yoko Ono and he's terrified. He's always, he's always with them the whole time. They're inseparable. That was the thing that drove everybody crazy, the idea that Yoko Ono had to come in and sit on the amplifiers. And even when he went to, to Lou to have a wee, she would come with him to accompany him. Would she? He couldn't bear to be on his own. Yes, uh, well, everyone thought it was sounds terribly... Like, sounds like she had the right idea, actually. But yeah, well, that's exactly... <laughs> let me just say, no, but it was a double thing. A, she had the right idea. B, everyone at the time thought it was this kind of, hey, it's so beautiful, man. They're like inseparable. Like, there's nothing they can't actually do together, right? But in fact, Lennon, this is obviously a very deep-rooted scouse thing, was terrified of leaving her alone because he thought that the, the other boys might try and cob off with her. Because that's what he would have done. Because that's what he'd do. Because he he's constantly trying to, well, not actually cop off with her, but he massively fancies Patty Harrison, uh, George's wife, Patty Boyd, who was a bit of a looker and used to turn up at these sort of parties that there's, uh, the Scotches and James is wearing diaphanous blouses. And Lennon was completely done in by this. But I just love that idea that, that you know, that you're there recording sort of um, happy is a warm gun or something and it's you know he's terrified that if he pops out he'll come back and there'll be Ringo chatting her up in the corner <laughs> <laughs> look sweetheart what are you doing tonight you know I just love it it's a hard dimension of the Beatles so I thought you were going to say that she was on him you know like a like a hawk well, just stopped was. him from sneaking out she, she the was. window of the toilet <laughs> <laughs> 
get down the road. Having, having a couple of assignations in the yeah. <laughs> on the way round to the front door. Yeah. Yeah. Said, I'll give it five minutes. Where were you? Uh, give it five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Quick work. But anyway, can, no, I just, can, I, so much can, I, can I throw in since you've mentioned philandering um, very quickly? So Oswald Mosley, who I'm now obsessed by, not I'm not becoming clearly are. You are he, in fact dressed oh, in a uh, black shirt. I've got a black Hurrah for Andrew Collins, screamer. He he was a notorious womanizer as well in the same way that Lennon was uh, being an aristocrat it was almost part of the yeah. fabric of society he when married to his first wife Cynthia was also having an affair with both her sisters and her stepmother he's so that's, that's, John Lennon yeah John Lennon bring it yeah. on come on, <laughs> come on mate make an anyway, we move on from both oh it is extraordinary uh, George Harrison's a bit where George Harrison loses his virginity we must move on from this uh, subject he's 17 and they're out in Hamburg but I love the idea that the Beatles are just this great communal thing they're just like one person with eight legs you know what I mean just, <laughs> and that they have this little room as yeah I'm sure you know this story they're a little room with no, no windows above the old cinema on, on the uh, uh, the Reaper, Reaper Barn, Barn yeah. yeah. And uh, the idea they'd all go back there with a big bundle of birds every night, <laughs> grouping around the dock, not quite sure. And enough purple hearts to stay up for five oh, weeks. Of purple, all the purple hearts you could eat, you know. And uh, pints of frothing, strands of frothing lager. And uh, poor old George eventually loses his virginity, uh, you know, in this room. And uh, everyone else is just basically just in the corner giggling and laughing. And when, when he reaches a, 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 a moment of, of triumph, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well played, oh, sir. well done, lad, you know. <laughs> Finally done it, you know. And I just, I just think there's something rather sort of sweet about it, really. Did he, I, I hesitate to ask this question. Did he, uh, did he, was it the, the sexual equivalent of the cricketer raising his bat to the, uh, <laughs> acknowledging <laughs> the, the uh, crowd on the, uh, signifying a six yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, must, right. they must have accidentally had sex with each other at one Well, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't going to say that, but they literally, yeah. they used to go home with, with, the, with these girls, and often the girls would break into their uh, uh, little room, be waiting for them. So, you know, they'd stumble in the dark, lit only by the, the, the light. Of an yeah. enormous bifter, <laughs> and uh, not know quite who, who, who or what was going on, you know. So, but oh, it's just, it's just may I read this email out? So I yeah, can go, go and plug my um, laptop in over there. It's the only thing I've got. It yeah, go on, yeah, go on. Uh, because it, is, it refers to Word magazine. It's from Simon Pegg, uh, who emailed me yesterday with this addendum, and I'll read it exactly as he says. Um, in the last two issues of Word, in fact, he calls it the Word. So hats off to him. Quite rightly. The Chris Martin was a zombie in Shaun of the Dead factoid has been used twice. Once in a things you may not know capacity, and subsequently in a true or false quiz, both times the info has been trumpeted as resoundingly authentic. Chris appeared for 1.7 seconds in the film, but as himself, and he never appeared as a zombie. That well, is that, 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 that's, that's splitting hairs. I mean, it, it's, I mean, had, had we not, you know, if he wants to fight about it, had we not used that as a central plank in our, our quiz to try and catch a six-page six article. article and then declare it was the right answer and mark Doc by one point all the people who got it wrong, then it wouldn't, you know, then, oh, Christ, is that true? Simon oh, Pegg. I'd like to apologise publicly to Mrs. Yeah. Pegg and Didn't all the people who took part. Please give them another extra point. Yeah. God all lies. So that comes from the horse's Mouth, the, uh, the star and uh, co-writer. That's fantastic. Dave Hepworth saw Simon Pegg in the street last week, and uh, we were just talking about this. It was the time of that whole Ringo thing, mm. the Ringo autographs controversy. Yeah. Um, 
in which I had to go on Radio 2 to, to try and defend the poor old boy against Mark Frith from Heat magazine saying that Ringo really ought to be signing autographs all his life, you know. And Dave suddenly sent me a text and said, talk about autographs. I said, I've just seen Simon Pegg stopped in the street by someone who wanted to take a picture of him. Obviously in a hurry, he had to go somewhere, being really nice. And what he was actually doing there was mending the camera of this guy because it wouldn't be, he couldn't function properly. You just think, that's a terrible imposition, isn't it? To stop somebody to take their picture and say, actually, do you know that operator's <laughs> yeah. instructions? I think, I think the yeah. film's not spooling properly. Yes, right. <laughs> oh, I need to put a film. Have you got a film? This is crazy. Also, knowing Simon Pegg, he would know he would know how to mend he it probably because he's would. very good at that kind yeah, of thing. He likes a gadget. A practical guy. Simon, yeah. I know. Yeah. Anyway, he's a, he's a legal-eyed word reader, which is good to That's know. That's very sweet of him. Yeah. Gosh. The word. Well, look, the big controversy this week, which we must discuss, it's a complicated story, and anybody living uh, abroad won't be fully aware, they probably will actually, they've seen the international newspapers, is the Russ and Ross v. Manuel saga. Yeah. Which, to fill you in just very quickly, if anybody is in the unlikely event unaware of this, if you spend a week with your head in the, in the desert sand, you know. Basically, Russ and Ross on the Radio 2 programme were trying to get, if I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, chaps, uh, trying to get Andrew Sachs, who the papers only referred to as Manuel, which was very, uh, <laughs> well, very disappointing yeah, for certain him. Certain papers only referred to him. Well, <laughs> yeah. Trying to get him on their programme. He couldn't, for some reason, attend. But obviously, they had his home telephone number. So it was rang. Like a phone interview, I think. Yeah. Oh, it was a phone interview, yeah. OK. Was that what it was? Well, yeah, he, that's he, what he they had his number. To publicise yeah. um, a new... A new series, a documentary that he was doing. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, anyway, yeah. he, he wasn't available. He didn't answer the phone or something. And so to compensate for this and to fill up their um, minutes of airtime, they uh, thought it a, a, a ripping wheeze to leave a series of uh, increasingly ghastly uh, telephone messages on, on, his, on his aunt's phone. Firstly, revealing that Russell Brand had, um, had, had enjoyed the company of his granddaughter. And it got, I mean, it escalated to the point where they were saying that uh, he would probably come home and hear these messages and take his own life in shame. So yes. it's a, it is a complicated, pretty grim uh, story. But, but, you know, at, at the time, two people complained, didn't they? Well, well, this went out, out, uh, went out uh, nearly two weeks ago. It was it? about two weeks and it was, ago. And it, rather importantly, it was pre-recorded. And it was pre-recorded. So the story, That's I mean, I was facts. actually abroad when this happened, but I, I, I've come back to, to, to find that an astonishing escalation of news coverage um, to the extent that I, I was actually out last night and ran into a guy called Andy Coulson, who used to be the editor of the News of the World, and now looks after David Cameron. And I was talking to him about this and saying, oh, I see you know, Cameron pitching early. And his thing was, well, we got an early. You know, Cameron got Cameron to make a comment yesterday. Well, I'll tell you what, Gordon Brown's only had to go and follow him, wasn't he? He's a little bit late. <laughs> a little bit late on the game. So I thought this was fantastic, the idea that it's... Well, this is what I think one of the things we should talk about. Because yeah. there's two issues. One is, you know, effectively, did they do a bad thing? And the other is, how impossible is it for anybody to report on this without straying from the central issue and talking about the political uh, repercussions of how it was ever allowed to happen in the first place and venting their anger about all the various things that the BBC have done which they disapprove of. Plus, of course, people like us, Matt and Andrew and myself, Mark Ellen, I didn't introduce myself at the top of the programme, but it's me, Mark Ellen, <laughs> the editor. We all obviously have involvement with Radio 2, and uh, yeah. two of us are in the middle of a combining documentaries for us. So again, we, we're not in a position where we can sit there and... Windmill into not, not dispassionately and no, no, without no. some degree no, of, of, of you know interest to be declared. Yeah, we can still. But who wants it. to go in? I'm sure everybody listening. Well, well, I mean, this is an astonishing story. Matt, Matt, Matt kick off. I think there's three points rather than two, um, and the third one, kind of in a way, is is for me the most interesting. There's one. The first point is um, the behaviour of the people in the in the radio studio, and whether that's acceptable or not. Um, the second point is how did it get broadcast? Because it was pre-recorded, yeah. and the BBC has a really, really, really stringent set of yeah. um, forms that need to be filled in and a process oh, that needs oh, to yeah. go. And the word "fuck," which was in the programme, 
is, and whatever you think of, uh, it's really ridiculous that a program at 10 o'clock at night on a radio station that's obviously got adult content should uh, be censored for using that word. Yeah. If you if you record a radio program with that word in, it has to go it right to, to the edited. top. There is yeah. no. It has to be edited out, and if it's in, it has to go right to the it top. It has to be passed it, through. It, it's not something that a producer can go. It's fine. We'll just sign it, it off. No. It has to go it right has, to the top. It has to have a significance beyond. Like, and I mean, right to the top. Yeah. So how did that happen? But the third point, which is kind of interesting for me, which is, and we've discussed on this podcast before, is that the. Um, Nobody seems to have realised at the BBC or within the production team how badly they've misjudged the public mood on this. And that's what we discussed last time Ross and Brand did something where they misjudged the public mood, which the was Morrison. when they went on stage at the Oh, well, the which Morrison. Yeah. Was that, yeah. And, yeah. and they thought that because they were celebrities, yeah. they could do any old toots, yes. and everyone would, would throw, see them the throw rose petals at their feet <laughs> oh, yeah. and deck yeah. them with garlands of oh, flowers. Yeah. And this is kind of what I think has happened again. And Andrew Harrison, who we're going to be hearing from later, um, when that happened, when that Morrissey uh, uh, fuffle happened, said that he thought that this might be the turning point and that actually celebrities should start thinking not everything that I do is going to be greeted with a perfect um, with applause and, and, and well done and hosannas but, but and I think this has happened again I think this yeah. is kind of this is people and I think part of the reason that you know I don't know the Guardian blog was running a oh. seven or ten pages last time I looked the Eddie Mayer on PM program on a Tuesday afternoon evening they, he did something on the PM blog and actually said at the end of the program this has received more, oh, yeah. well, cover, more responses. Own personal blog. My own blog is running to over a hundred. Yeah. posted by Andrew Collins. Basically, the, the, the public is taking the opportunity to have a right good dig at venting. Well, at again, their the feelings. public, yeah. the public, you know, have got their own feelings about uh, the degree of freedom that these people have been allowed. Uh, apparently, uh, because of the you know the enormous pulling power and you know their status, which is you know let these two guys do whatever they want. Let's not rot the boat, you know. And in a way, that that you know, that on paper. I like that idea that you can be allowed certain freedoms because you're very good at your job or very popular within broadcasting. You know, Jonathan Ross has earned this right over many, many yeah, years. Not all of them in the sun, as, as in, you know, in the sunlight. Probably about 20 years. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was a time when he was presenting, you know, talent shows on ITV, you know, not his finest hour, but he's made his way back. You know, he's now an absolute fixture on the BBC. Yeah. He's presenting the film programme, presenting his chat show, which keeps, he seems to be on every week. He doesn't appear to ever not be on. Yeah. Um, which I assume pulls in a reasonable amount of viewers for late night on a Friday night, or else they wouldn't be still doing it. They Absolutely. Pay him, they pay him a certain amount of money. They're always quoting this figure. That isn't actually right it's a it's a it's a figure that covers a number of years of his contract it also covers a huge amount of work that he has to yeah. do for them um, and it's a product is it a production, production team yes, that's, that's, well. yes that's the money they it's have to make the program out of yeah. play yeah. Andy as producer yeah. if you're working yeah. for the Daily Mail it's better to say this man is paid yeah. 10 million pounds of your money you know? yeah. so there's an agenda in the press which I always react against and it's not just the Daily Mail all of the press including my beloved Guardian they're basically all owned by large um, media conglomerates who really would rather like the BBC to have slightly less power. 
just so that they can have a bit more of the action because yeah, they absolutely. all run TV stations or whatever. That is just a fact. Or do so, podcasts. So there was a guy, <laughs> exactly, a guy yeah. on the Today program called Steve Hewlett, I think, yeah. Carlton TV executive, take up your point there, who made the point that if you if you subject that editorial on you know out, outlets like Radio Two to that kind of scrutiny, it means that that every now and again you're going to find something that should have been broadcast. Yeah. It's highly likely that you're going to stop the broadcasting of perfectly you know, acceptable, very funny, adventurous. You know, courageous comedy or whatever. Mm. So there is a, there is a, a, a reasonable point there that if you bring in too much censorship, you're never going to loosen up enough to yeah, you know, I mean, move on. I think the fact that there was only two complaints when it was broadcast, and there was only two complaints um, when it was available on the BBC iPlayer for seven days afterwards, yeah. is quite interesting because it, it obviously means that. And there are two things: either Russell Brand gets no audience, which we know isn't true, or his audience. We're perfectly happy with that. Well, that's content. the point. That's surely, is it? Because clearly, you know, somebody who'd been list some Daily Mail reader from Tunbridge Wells who might have, by mistake, been up at that time of night listening to Radio Two, what probably would have been outraged. Yeah. But the people who turned on to hear that clearly are going to be outraged. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, the ten thousand complaints they've had now have all come since the, 10, the Mail on right. Sunday reported it. Uh, basically, the Mail on Sunday, perfectly reasonable bit of journalism. Somebody somewhere had heard this and said, "Hang on a minute, there's something in this. They've they've done a horrible thing here to a 78 year old man." Yeah. Uh, that always comes up, but unfortunately, I. My point of view as a listener is that when I first heard it, again on YouTube, not when it went out, when I first heard it, I thought that's really horrible to, to say on an answer machine to a man, whoever he is, famous or otherwise, that's the other one shouting out, boasting, because the F word oh, it's beyond was surrounded by but the following words, but, but he's fucked your granddaughter. Jonathan Ross shouted that out and I thought that was a really horrible thing. Sort of thing that two schoolboys might. Oh, have done. Not, I think it's beyond horrible. So but, personally, but, as a listener, I thought that was a horrible thing. And when I first heard it, I assumed it was live, and I assumed it was in the heat of the moment. And when I found out it was that, recorded, I, that's, the, that's the. I thought that was sudden rush of blood to the, the head. Whole Christ, story the moment they got it, they regret it. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing is that just oh, so many dimensions to the story. I bought a copy of the Sun newspaper today. What is today? Wednesday? Is it today's yes. Sun's got this on the cover anyway? Of course, they're 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 steaming into the the girl. I um, can't remember her name now. Gemma. Ge- Georgie. 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 I can't read it without the glasses. But anyway, she's a she's, they're, they're <laughs> How Daily Mail does that sound? Georgina Bailey, twenty three. Oh, you're all right. Would you like a biscuit? <laughs> you're warm enough. <laughs> You've got a visit. No, anyway. So they've got, they've got an exclusive. The Sun have got an exclusive today. The Sun have got an exclusive because the the brilliant thing about the Sun is. Classic cake and eat it too, because they have got uh, this girl who is a member of a, 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 a sort of a burlesque dance yeah. troupe called the Satanic Sluts. To admit that yes, she, she, she did sleep with Russell Brand, who had retracted the fact that he, when he said he had, it's actually didn't mean it. So I did. I feel betrayed that he's talked about it. But of course, they're kind of enjoying the fact also that they've got. They're, they're trying not to be moralistic about this twenty-three-year-old girl who you know works in a kind of burlesque yeah. bar. And I'm kind of loving that as well. But the reason, they've, <clears throat> the reason they've, uh, they've got the interview with um, Georgina. Georgina is that um, she has now um, retained the services of one Mr. Max Clifford. Yeah, well, that was bound to happen. kind of another yeah. layer of, of yeah. you know... Of course. Oh, it just gets most, deeper. Most of the comments on my blog, who have a very sensible sort of, you know, core of people who tend to put comments on there, most of them were saying, why are we talking about this? In other words, adding to the conversation by saying, well, we're having a conversation, which is a fair point, but unfortunately, it's hard not to talk about it because there's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. But at the same time, I object to the fact that it's the biggest news story in the world. In the same way that I objected to George Osborne on a yacht with an oligarch was a big story, when really there was a much bigger story to talk about, which was the global recession. I object to that as well, but I know exactly why they do it. But actually, it's kind of like... That's a boring story, isn't it? Yeah, this has got everything. It's got celebrities, it's got money, it's got envy, it's got sex. Sex. 
it's got a defenceless old 78-year-old. Oh, yeah, who we love. You know, and, and it's an opportunity to give the BBC a good kicking. Which but that's not to say, you know, I think that the important, I think I'm, I'm convinced that actually it's not the papers leading it. I think there is a groundswell. Yes. And they're giving it a voice and they're, you know, yeah, sure, they were, they, it was maybe, uh, the ball was started rolling for, you know, a number of different reasons, but I think it's snowballed and, the, the, you know... Well, there's a, a bit of footage I watched uh, last night um, of people effectively doorstepping uh, Russell Brand. Yeah. It's classic Russell, Russell Brand performance because the door opens eventually, he comes out looking as fabulous as he always does. Yes. A big pair of wraparound shades and the inevitable sort of fabulous looking birds on his arm, you know, which is a different one every day. <laughs> and, uh, and he comes out and all he can say is, Hari Krishna, right? So yeah. people say to him, uh, Mr. Brand, aren't you disgusting about Hari Krishna? And he gets into a car and driven off and something old limo, you know. The, um, the other thing that I found that was quite interesting was, um, did you notice um, there was a quote yesterday uh, in the paper from um, Russell Brand's spokesperson, who is what, uh, go on. Uh, one Barbara Sharon. Oh, is oh, it? Right, she is, yeah, Barbara Sharon. <laughs> who also, oh, interestingly yeah. enough, I noticed in Private Eye that today uh, is also uh, rep- or was also representing uh, the riches in there. Yes, she. Uh, I, I presume she's gone she with. She's, I presume she's followed yeah. the money now. Oh, well, <laughs> but, um, yeah. She's, uh, you know, but I thought, so I thought that was quite interesting that the, the Russell Brand would be. Um, uh, t- using the services of somebody so high-powered and, oh, so, and, and also so Brilliant. rock and roll, you know. Yeah. So. It's hard to, to actually judge who, how big and famous these people are. I mean, Jonathan Ross is on Late Night. I would imagine his Radio 2 show gets a good chunk of listeners on a Saturday morning. Certainly does. Yeah, yeah. But, but nowhere but, near... But not nowhere like Terry Wogan. Wogan. No, but it won't yeah. be an eight, eight and a quarter million that Wogan but a, gets. But a decent that. couple yeah. of million. It'll be, leading, it'll be leading the pack at that, yeah. at that time of Saturday morning. But on, Saturday, on Friday night... I mean, it's really late on Friday night, his show. Well, no, it's 10.30, it's after yeah, the news. But he's, out, but he's, you know, again, it'll be a couple of million, won't it? Yeah, but, it's one, but also in terms of what, he, what he's known for, you know, it's up against the Al Murray's show, and I, I, Al Murray's show I think is great, but, and Al Murray probably doesn't want the sort of guests that Jonathan Ross gets, but no. Jonathan Ross gets all the A-list Hollywood. Of course he does, yeah. You know, where, so else, is, where else are they going to go? Yeah. I mean, that is where you're going to go. Gentlemen, this is a week of tremendous controversy, and I think we ought to examine another one. So I think Andrew Harrison's here, uh, and I'm going to go out and get him. Okay. Oh, hurrah for Andrew Harrison's screaming. Because I know that he has uh, extraordinarily heated views about this subject, which will be the Peaches Geldof documentary. <laughs> Again, I, 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 point, I was abroad last week, so I missed all this. I mean, I'm not going to just put a, a marker down here. I'm going to go and get him. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Charlie Fox Dot Delta Teacup. The sound of Andrew Harrison <laughs> joining us. That's brilliant. Roger Wilco. Yeah. Over and out. Over and out. Um, Dresden looks sunny today. Dresden, yeah. It's bandits at three o'clock. Yes. He's cranked the fan on my kite. Bombardier. Anyway, where are we? Christ. Andrew Harrison, fantastic. Now, I was out of the... I, was, I, I missed this story. You were on holiday at the time. I was on holiday like at the time. Sign, you were on the holiday. <laughs> I was on holiday at the time. Mercifully, so I take no responsibility. But I, I, I want you, first of all, to describe to uh, particularly our uh, listeners living abroad what they missed, what, what joys were available on well, the Peaches Geldof documentary. Peaches Geldof Disappear Here, which I think, Andrew, you saw as well, didn't you, online? I've seen this, yes. It is a Four story. episodes. Um, How much of your life will you never get back? Well, luckily, they're ten minutes long, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're Webisodes, they're not episodes. <laughs> um, this, is a, this is a documentary about Peaches Geldof, the uh, talented and fragrant uh, Geldof offspring, making her magazine. She's got a magazine, and um, 
This is a programme that makes Nathan Barley look like a steely documentary. <laughs> it does. Produced this by the is Open so true. On how, um, how magazine publishing works. Keep uh, it dusty. Keep it dusty. Everybody As it fucking collapses. Everybody in it is a total <laughs> idiot. Everybody is a kind of clown head, uh, you know... Prancy, well, Jackson. Bloody, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and they, they sit there and, they, and they, they're making a style magazine. Um, of course. And they have hilarious conversations like this. They, they, have a, they have a screaming rabbit who's going to be on the cover while they're actually shooting the cover. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they have great moments of revelation, like uh, at, at one of those kind of um, you know, reality TV moments where there's a, a very grave sound bed music is played. And uh, somebody comes up to Peaches and says, Peaches, I've, I've worked out the only way we're going to be able to make this magazine work is... Um, if we sell some advertising, <laughs> you know, as if this is like saying, well, we're all going to have to go into prostitution in lots of Brilliant really idea. And she just gives him this look of, what? Yeah. Advertising in We're not prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> every else. single one of us is on a private income. So they, yeah. And then somebody else says, well, the adverts are going to look a bit weird, aren't they? Because the rest of the magazine is going to be printed only in black and silver. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's hilarious. Wasn't it a bit about her vision? I saw a little bit on, the, on, on something on the, on the internet. So she talked about the vision. Asked, someone asked oh, what yeah. the vision so, is. She had a manifesto. Oh, she had a manifesto. What was the manifesto? Neither of which she could properly articulate. She went to Coachella for seven days. We just off to LA for seven days. Here's my manifesto. And what was her manifesto? Five days to get a magazine together. And all of us, grizzled, you know, aged old characters, know that to put a magazine of any kind together just takes years and years and years. Give yourself five weeks to do it. The very yeah. last thing you do is put her up to a rock festival in California. Yeah. Leaving to get your a, head together. Leaving a manifesto that you've dictated to your bubbles-like peer. This is Peach's manifesto. What she says is, you're not allowed to do anything without asking her. And they all go, but she's a Where is she? It's just she's at a rock highly, festival. Highly comical. I think it's a crashing, crashing shame. That it went out on MTV One or something, and 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 it doesn't seem like very many people have seen it because I think this is something that should be shown to yeah, everyone. And, and was edited by her own pa, right? Was well, it her own pa's coverage? So it's a ten-ounce production. So you've got to remember that this is made by the most sympathetic, I assume, uh, producer imaginable. Yeah. Your own father trying desperately to avoid uh, allowing his daughter to be presented as a, a complete and utter clown. It, it begs what, the question, doesn't what, it? What are the outtakes? <laughs> I don't that's the question. What are the rest of it? Like, unless I haven't been clear enough about this, she comes across as a total harpy, an absolute bullying little monster. <laughs> and the first thing she, in, in a meeting containing about six people, she, she instructs her PA to take minutes. You know, this is like a room full of, like, sort of... 18 and 19 years. How old's her PA? 13, uh, the work experience? Are you talking about yeah. Camilla? Oh, I don't know, is that Camilla? When I saw Camilla... Is this another Trustafarian from Nothing Your Game? If it wasn't Peter's Geldof, who was obviously herself, I was starting to think this is a really clever, elaborate, beautifully made parody with actors, because Camilla is so like an actress playing a stupid PA. Yeah. I thought, she, she can't be real, this Camilla person. This must be somebody playing Camilla. But... Obviously, Geldof is real. She's real. So, yeah. unless it's a really elaborate prank against Peter's Geldof being played by MTV, well, I've, I've got a suspicion actually that this is Sir Bob's incredibly complex. I'm going to teach you a lesson about tough the real love. world. Yeah, tough love. <laughs> tough love, maybe. Yeah. That's my, brilliant. My dad made me throw boards in a butcher's okay. shop. Peach's dad makes a programme about it. That makes a <laughs> but that's totally brilliant. It's, it's all character building. There was, no, there was, let me just say, there was, a, there was a documentary about John Peel made by uh, BBC Two, probably about, I suppose, about eight years ago, in which he controversially 
um, laid into his eldest son. Yes. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, his birthday. Uh, when he famously said, uh, he was talking about how untidy his son's room was. I'm going to have to do the voice. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, he, say, he really said his room was so untidy. I'm surprised there wasn't some sort of infestation. Yeah. You know, that wasn't very good. <laughs> was the idea, the idea that how untidy would a room be? He just described great, great, just, just mounds of rubbish going from the floor to the ceiling and you couldn't see the kind of the divide. Well, you know? It wasn't, it wasn't um, popular, was it? It was a real kind of... No, he really, he really got upset. And then obviously what happened was that it was his, I don't know, what is his 50, was it his 60th? And he told me this because I was interviewing him for, for Word magazine and he said that they all sat around the television. All the family had come, his, his four children and boyfriends and girlfriends, a few old aunts and stuff and they'd opened a bottle of Chianti and you know, sat back to enjoy it. A couple of dogs. And then there's a couple of dogs, obviously. <laughs> the warm dogs. The, the warm dog by the budgie. And, and, and then, you know, this moment comes up and of course it's a terrible moment and, and his eldest son gets up and walks out of the room yeah. and refused to speak to him for um, you know, two weeks or something and Peter was absolutely mortified and, you know, and, and again what happened did he deliberately use this program he kind of gave the impression to me that he had used up every single other method of communicating to this son <laughs> apart from <laughs> Via the uh, mouthpiece of a BBC Two <laughs> documentary, yeah, where a lot of people are saying, "Oh yeah, my son's really untidy yeah. too." I sympathise, mate. You know. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure that dads around the world would really envy that. Can I so maybe we could all eat on a small scale. Could you? Could you? If your children are behaving badly, could you just do a little? But in the future, webcast in the future, all dads will have access all to their own production company, a, yeah. and they can make their own. <laughs> make their own which will be seen by less people than the one on TV. That's right. Can I? Can I ask a question? Because um, one of the um, I haven't seen this program in any shape or form. Um, but my understanding is that um, James Brown, former James editor Brown. of the NME, yeah. is, is the yes. kind of expert advisor. Former, 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 uh, former assistant editor. Oh, sorry. NME, which is yes. why he <laughs> went off to form Loaded and Ruin the World. Um, I do apologise. <laughs> um, now, now, Andrew, you, you, uh, you, you, James you gave do me know my, James. I love James Brown. He gave me I don't suppose you've spoken to him about this, and have you, and said what the I, was going I on? I feel I've kind of lost James a bit, but oh, okay. certainly years and years ago he gave me my first job, so I, I, I have great uh, affection for him. But he's, he's wheeled on as mentor. What were his bonds? and words of wisdom there's a clip they keep showing of a future episode where he's going what we need to do is uh, find a way of uh, finding that line between brat and visionary this <laughs> is one of the best things he yeah. said about her we need to find a, fine, a line between brat and visionary I'm thinking so far we're very much towards say, the they're, they're not on the same continent we're quite yeah. a long way away we need a telescope to see the other side yeah. of that particular scale but anyway yeah, James looks quite grumpy doesn't he, he I, does, I think yeah. he kind of wishes I, he wasn't there I think he's very quickly twigged that this is a bad thing. Yeah. Also, I strongly suspect. We've well, had future episodes. Sorry, I was oh, well, they, they trail off. ahead. They trail ahead. Well, 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 how long have you episodes? They trail ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you pointed out in a column, in the Word magazine, programs trail ahead within themselves. Yes, the that's true. Yeah, I think this, the score of this one, sadly, is this, is this has turned out to be a Pontius. It's a bad pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. uh, the end this year all week. Next show at eleven. Enjoy the film. That's great. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 at the end of the show, this is kind of hastily cobbled together kind of a voiceover montage where they suddenly clear the office and pack away all the computers and mm. kind of figuratively hop, hoppy polar plays. Failure and sadness. And Peach's voiceover says, "We completed the dummy." And it's seven weeks since I've heard from James Brown. You know, <laughs> finishes on this bizarre line, which is like, will disappear here magazine become a success? That's up to you. And I thought, 
No, it isn't. Bloody, isn't it up to you? You yeah. stupid magazine. Also, yeah. Disappear Here is the name of the magazine. She explains this to her, her, her Why class is it of idiots. That? She says, uh, it's called like Disappear Here like, because it's like a line from like, Rules of Attraction, who's, which is like a book by this, <laughs> by this man. He's like, called Brett Easton Ellis, and he like, wrote American Psycho. So Disappear Here is, is what really it's called. Right? And the reason we're calling it that like, is because we want to disappear from like, the commercial world. Waves. Right? And, and because it's called Peaches Geld Off Disappear Here, on the website, it says, watch Peaches Geld Off Disappear <laughs> Just in, a, in a, a small bout of fairness here, she's what, 19 or something? Yeah. Weren't we all idiots? Of course we 19? were. I was an idiot. We were all idiots. Yeah. And, and, and in some parts, all parts of our heads are still that 19 year old idiot, which is what makes that program so cringe inducing. If you'd given you a chance to launch a magazine when you'd see, I would, have, I would be standing there going, okay, like, you know, everyone should listen to the 12 Dreams of Dr. Sardonicus by Spirit, right? It's a brilliant record. In fairness, that's like, what we do now, Mark. That's just true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your dream has come true. There's I, not going to be any war. There's I'm not going to be any poverty, I'm right? Because Spirit are going to make colorized. the world better. Yeah. That's what I would have said. But, but, I was but the difference is that when we were all 19, somebody at some point came over and gave us a horrible hairdryer duffing up that made yeah. us realise <laughs> yeah. that we weren't brilliant. We were Probably our fathers. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, what the hell are you playing? Do you know what, Andrew? And when I was watching this, the, the, the um, little mini episodes on, on MTV, I was reminded of a magazine called Deluxe. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> that, now that's low. No, no, it's not low. I, I was a very happy, was magazine. I was a happy contributor the, to that magazine. But then, by Andrew Harrison, what yeah. I'm saying is, you know, this is only something that we as old soldiers can say. It's bloody hard work really getting any hard. kind of magazine oh, out. You do it every yeah. month. You do it every month. It's really yeah. hard. It's not a little play thing with yeah. a load of twats with boxed in haircuts sitting it's around the, the table. It's a thing stuffed by twats. It's a fanzine and there's nothing wrong with fanzines. Nothing wrong with a fanzine. But you can't pretend that they're kind of real. Yeah. That they just person, come together organically. You don't need an office. Put it on the internet. Save on paper. Yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. My fanzine, I commissioned myself to write a piece about the water metaphors and the lyrics of Lloyd Cole. Did you accept that? I accepted challenging it and I edited it as well. <laughs> yeah. How many pages did that particular article well, run to? two pages, Matt. But <laughs> what was the headline? Hurrah for Lloyd Cole. Screaming. Up River. Up River. I can still remember. Yeah, of course. It's, it's the only edition of the fanzine I ever made. And then I used it as a calling card to get a job. What was your fanzine called? Enemy. This is this. This Which is, is like, this. It's like oh, a it's quote. Itself. It's a, a quote from like a film, like uh, Robert De Niro. Uh, it was like the Deer <laughs> yeah. Hunter. And he said, like, this is this. And it was like really profound. Well, I worked, in a, fanzine in, I worked in a fanzine in Brighton in 1977 called Sniffing Flowers. Do you see what we did? Yeah. You see what we did, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of hippie punk yeah. magazine. Which, yeah. side, of the, uh, which side of the punk rock wars were you on, actually? On the like? flowers <laughs> side. <laughs> <laughs> Webs. <laughs> Sorry, I've got to say, well, I love webs so much. You don't say whatever. You have to say, because well, you haven't got time to say whatever. You have to say webs. No. <laughs> yes. 24-7. Fantastic. There it is. Thank you very much, Andrew Harrison. And uh, a joy. Yeah. Joke of the week. Joke of the week. Not no, joke of the week. Joke of the week. That was joke of the week. Joke of the week, I think Catherine Whitehall, who I, I met the other day, uh, watched her giving a lecture. She kept up some great ones. What's the capital of Iceland? You probably know this, don't you? No. £3.50. Uh, <laughs> oh, there it is. She said, what's the, she said, what, what's the difference between a, a, a hedge fund manager and a pigeon? A pigeon can still leave a deposit on a Ferrari. <laughs> She's good. She's 80. She's just knocking him out. Here all week. Very good. So, look, thank you very much for listening to uh, the Word uh, uh, podcast. And the new magazine is out. When's the new magazine out? 13th of... Shortly. 13th of something, 30th of November, I think. The current one is still out with Andrew Collins' sensational cover story about Elbow. And doing brisk business, hurry while stocks last. Is it doing brisk business? That's yes, nice. it well, is. They are, they are Very much the band so. of the year, I think. And band we have a new edition, which we've just finished coming out in about a week's time, uh, which is sensational.
God bless you. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>